Hello and welcome. It's an absolute delight to be here with Steve Guy. Steve is the Operational Services Manager at the Norwich Biosciences Institute. And that's a cluster just outside Norwich of four international centres of excellence in plant science. Microbiology, harnessing food for health and controlling food-related disease. That includes the Earlham Institute, the John Innes Centre, the Sainsbury Laboratory and Quadrum Institute of Bioscience. Steve oversaw the refurbishment of the lighting for the business park, and he's going to tell us a little bit more about how and why that happened. Over to you, Steve. So the project was uh, really su uh, successful. We've got a number of buildings on site, a real mixture of data centres, labs, offices, uh, canteens, conference centres, you know, a, a real broad spectrum. Um, the two buildings in question were constructed around sort of, 1993, I suppose at the time, state-of-the-art lighting system with a, a very sort of simple metal grid ceiling. The labs were increasingly requesting additional lighting above their benches, just because the lighting was so poor in the areas. But on top of that as well, we had a real concern with energy consumption. Outside of normal working hours, if there was only one or two people in the labs, all of the lights and all of the areas were switched on all the time, just because of the way the lighting switching was configured. So we had two challenges. A, how do we replace the lighting to improve it? How do we utilise it without taking the whole ceiling down? Because it's a very old ceiling. So working around existing users without causing too much disruption and improve the um, lighting control as well. And this has been going on for a number of years. So finally, working with Jamie, he came up with a solution and said, yeah, we can we can retrofit a fitting that will fit in your existing ceiling. Um, we can do away with all the existing switching. There will be no requirements for additional wiring, which is a huge bonus for us. It's probably quite cost effective and the lighting levels will be increased dramatically so we did a pre-phase we bought a couple of these lights put them in a couple of areas i had a chat with the lab manager to use the areas and said yeah this is really good and they're really really happy with the uh, results we then put a business case into bbsrc and one of the, the biggest selling points was the energy savings not just in terms of reducing uh, cost for the led replacement from the previous fluorescent tubes but also the improved controllability of the lights as well so just putting in intelligent controls meant that you'd only use the lights um, in the area you're working on so we were lucky that we got it funded with it we broke it up into three different phases because it was such a huge project and they agreed to fund it over a three-year period and we basically replaced all of the lights in all of the area across the labs of two major buildings on site so probably close to £800,000 worth of work. And the results have been fantastic. The lighting levels within the labs themselves has been a huge uh, increase and the scientists really like them. They now don't use the additional lab lighting on the benches themselves, which is a real bonus. And they like the fact that their controllability as well in terms of where they're working, they only get the light they need. And, you know, when we, uh, on the odd occasions, come into the building at nine times, we do any shutdowns or we get called out for the engineers, you can turn out to a building and you can see one or two lights on. Which is, you know, a huge, a huge benefit. Rather than turn up at two o'clock in the morning and see the whole building lit up, you turn up and you see one or two lights on. And, you know, a slightly different note is that security used to go around patrolling the areas at night time. And they now like the flexibility. They can walk up there, the lights come on. And also when they leave the building, they know within 20 minutes the lights are off as well. So it gives them a bit of an early indication to know that if they can see the lights on in the building, they know someone's in the building. So from a safety point of view as well. So... Yeah, it's had huge benefits to us and yeah i wouldn't say it was they were simple to install but considering the the options that we would have had to take the ceiling down and rewire the whole system it did prove a simple solution for a very complex problem so yeah huge benefit really so 
you mentioned that you got them funded. That's yeah. fabulous. How did you manage to to do that? We are funded directly from BBSSC. We're allowed to put in business cases for estate improvements each year, but we have to justify them. So it might be a case of something's broken, it needs to be replaced, but it needs to be very much science specific. So does it improve science? Is it a benefit to science? If it is, can you prove there's some sort of energy saving as well? So yeah, there's, there's quite a detailed business case we had to put forward that then goes forward towards a committee. They then look at all the business cases and agree or disagree whether or not to fund them each year. So that funding could be a million pound, it could be 10 million pound, depending on what we're planning to do. There's no there's no direct, direct cost re- revenue return to BBSSC, but they'd like to see a reasonable payback within four to five years. So as long as we can prove that, again, that's a real plus point when we put the business cases in. So were you able to prove that? So what was the cost saving? The cost saving was very much done on a, an assumption of what the um, original freshened tubes were using and what the LEDs were based on the information provided from Jamie. In hindsight, we wish we would have really mapped out what the energy profile of the buildings were before we started the project and then mapped it again when we finished to give us a real true cost saving uh, analysis. Uh, the downside is we were doing other projects associated with the building. We changed some chillers. Uh, so there was a lot of other factors involved. So we couldn't never really get a true energy cost saving for the building itself. But yeah, in hindsight, that's something we should have done really. And, and not just for the building themselves, but we could have used that information moving forward to other business cases in the future. I guess it's, that's always 2020. And as you say, yeah. it's always a combination of things. You never do one thing in isolation. Yeah. We very rarely do one project within one building. So... Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, it would have been nice to know what the true energy cost saving was, but we sort of, based on the figures of what the existing freshness were costing us, and um, based on our unit cost per energy uh, and what the information Jamie provided, we roughly worked out what we thought the energy saving would be over a four or five year period. The challenges we have, because we're a charity, uh, we only pay 5% VAT and um, pay about 9, 10 pence per kilowatt hour. So when we've looked at these sort of schemes in the past, the energy um, return or the cost saving return has always been very much eight, nine, maybe even 10 years. Right. Um, but we were sort of, we were able to justify this one in terms of what the unit price per unit of the cost of the installation would be based on what we would, if we'd had to take the lab out of the use, remove all the ceiling, rewire the lights. So it was more of a, installation cost life cycle cost of the fitting as well we had to put a lot more detail behind it rather than just a you know fluorescent for an led which is what you normally do you mentioned the life cycle of the product as well was that part of the equation for you as well yes it was so when we do the business cases we have to take into consideration the maintenance cost as well how much time we have to um, allocate to uh, changing lamps repairing fixing stuff like that so there were several factors we get a five-year guarantee with the glamox lights which is a great uh, uh, warranty in terms of parts uh, we look at the life cycle of the lights as well because there's another project going on to rebuild the site in its entirety so whenever we put the business cases in we have to say is the asset transferable so we quite happily said that the lights <clears throat> could be used in the future because the life cycle of them so if they did refurbish the building as a whole if they were going to get the funding the lights could be taken down stored and put back in again in any sort of configuration as well so there was very much a are these fit for purpose in the short term but also have they got a, a real um, longevity for the next sort of 15, 20 years. You mentioned that the scientists have gone from asking for extra lamps on the desk to yeah. being perfectly happy. Yeah, we increased the light level. We asked Jamie to do a design plan for the labs themselves. And he came up with a couple of options. Uh, we decided to go for the, the the maximum amount of lighting levels we could, knowing that we could dim them back down again based on actual requirements. 
because they have the daylight sensors as well, we were able to reduce that and adjust that depending on the requirements of the science. So if, for argument's sake, one of the labs, they were doing some very close call to work and they wanted a highlight level, we could increase them in other areas where they just wanted a very uniform, slightly um, less light intensity, we could reduce them down accordingly. And because we had that flexibility, which we never had before, that we were able to adjust the areas um, depending on the science requirements. Mm -hmm. But by so, that means so for argument's sake, if, if the area got refurbished in the future because of the way the science was uh, starting to change, we had that flexibility that the lights could be used almost in any application rather than being very specific to the labs themselves. So it gives us greater flexibility for the future. I'm assuming that the business case that you put forward to the trustees is at least as stringent as one that you'd put forward commercial board. Would, yeah. would you say that? Yes, definitely. You basically have to come up with three, sometimes four different cost analysis. So if you did minimum, what would be the outcome? Do nothing, what would the outcome be long-term? You have to show what the maximum, you have to show an alternative option. So it's quite a stringent uh, business case that we have to put in. And these are reviewed by various different um, members of BBSSC, not all of them science, some of them estates-based some of them finance directors. So real broad spectrum of scrutiny in terms of uh, which ones get approved and which ones don't. And, you know, so there's always a two-way conversation between us and the funders. It sounds like the scientists who worked there already were quite happy. What about in terms of attracting new people? Do you see the environment as being part of that or...? Yeah, we don't. We, we don't generally get individual scientists. So the industries work on project leaders. So they're trying to entice project leaders that get a significant amount of grant funding coming in. So if they can entice a project leader in terms of showing them the facilities that they have available and what uh, flexibility the facilities can offer them, obviously that's the selling point to the project leaders themselves. They then bring their own staff and the grant funding that comes with it. So, yeah, it's like any facility. If we can keep it looking as modern, as new as possible with the flexibility built in, surely that's got to be a, a plus point to the institutes and obviously the project leaders, they... Um, managed to encourage to work here. I suppose you're in a very particular position, but if there was somebody else in your position in a commercial environment, would you say that was a good investment? I personally think it was a really, really good investment. I know it's difficult in the commercial world. Other people might look at it and say, if you look at sort of pounds on papers, you know, maybe not a, a great, but my view is always what you can see in terms of energy saving, but it's also about improving the light quality for the actual staff themselves. and. There's been loads and loads of research in the past about the effect on people's mental health and the effect on people's social well-being in terms of what the light levels could be. And we've had various people in the past complaining of sort of headaches, migraines, and some of the new LED lighting that we put in working with Glamox has improved that. So I think any lighting improvements we do has, has a real benefit on the staff themselves. And, you know, I think it'd be very difficult to maybe prove in terms of reduction in sort of sick days, but I'd like to think that there's an improvement in well-being across the site. That's like anything. I think if you improve the atmosphere that people are working in, it becomes a nicer place to work. And uh, they tend to spend more time in the lab actually doing some good research rather than uh, hidden away somewhere or working from home, maybe. Do you have an in percentage terms? When it comes down to do it properly... It it was more about the option was not sustainable because it was an old metal. We'd almost have to make the lab completely uh, unusable. And we're talking a 70 square meter lab. So to find that amount of space and that amount of scientific resource for science so we can close the lab, shut everything down, take all the ceilings down, rewire all the lights, put them back again and put the ceiling back on. As the cost is more about the disruption to science and putting up some sort of temporary facility, which again comes with a cost. We're talking 
two major buildings. There's four floors in each of the buildings, probably 15, 20 different labs of that sort of size. So huge amount of disruption and trying to uh, deliver the project of that size would have taken a couple of years rather than six months. So, yeah. 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 And, and the grief, I suppose. <clears throat> but presumably, so it sounds though like the fact that Jamie was able to come up with a product which fitted and had that control was the key. But did you look at competitors that were offering something cheaper? Not sure if you're aware, but we started the project before he actually worked for Glamox and he tried to come up with a solution with the company. Uh, and unfortunately, we just couldn't make it work. I also engaged with a electrical wholesaler's new near, and they suggested a couple of companies and they tried to offer a solution as well. And unfortunately, none of them actually met the criteria. And to be fair, Jamie worked very hard and obviously worked with Glamox and come up with a solution. And, you know, like I said, we had a couple of light fins, which we trialled and we were a bit sceptical whether or not they were going to work sort of long term. But no, it actually worked. And once we actually got the trial over the line and everyone was happy with it, we moved forward and um, went for the funding. So, yeah, we did try a few other people. And yeah. The question in people's minds that they ask me is, so how much between a, your bog standard and something good... I think it was around, if you put in a very bog standard LED light, which would have worked on a normal switch, no sort of real configuration, they worked on about, I don't know, 100 to 150 pounds per light. Yeah. Um, these lights were in the region of 350 pounds per light, which is quite a significant increase. But again, from our point of view, it was a case of we didn't have to touch the ceiling, we didn't have to rewire any of the lights, and it proved the control, it proved the light levels. So, yes, it was three times the cost of a, a very standardised lighting solution, but the benefits definitely outweighed um, the additional cost. Yeah. And and actually, in the scheme of things, compared to all that disruption and yeah, everything else that you talked about and the energy costs, and that the installed cost is actually not that, not that much higher necessarily. The actual labour and cost to put in the lights was pretty minimal because essentially you unplug one light plugged in another one you replaced all the switches with blank plates and then it's just a bit of program so the actual installation of the lights was very minimal it's just obviously the cost of the lights themselves was expensive but again if you looked at it the other way the, the lights were cheap but the installation was huge so yeah i definitely think paying the extra for the light fins with the improved control was the right solution for this one yeah and i think people in your in your position don't necessarily think perhaps they're not even aware they don't have an ally like jamie who's saying come on we can do something differently there was another company which we worked with before that come up with some intelligent lights where the lights will talk to each other through bluetooth i'm always quite keen to trial these different things because you know as always when the when the funding does drop and someone decides to either put a new building up or refurbish a building as a whole because we've spent maybe sort of 10 15 20 000 pound here trying them out and seeing good and bad you come up with a a fairly robust solution in terms of what you want long term when you're actually fitting out a whole uh, building completely. And then you can offer that experience and learning and insight to other people, which is really, really great. Yeah, so that, no. one of our biggest drivers at the moment is, as always, we're, we're starting to put together an energy strategy document that makes the place zero carbon by 2050. So any improvements to light in, in terms of um, replacement to LED, but it's not just the LEDs. We've worked with Jamie on another building where we've replaced all of the light fittings within the whole building to LEDs, but we've also replaced all of the switches with intelligent controls as well. So same again, you know, we're, we're not switching off every light at night time when the security guard goes around, walking in, the light comes on, when you walk out, 
20 minutes later is gone. And, and it's about improving that intelligent control across the building as well. But they've always got the lighting they need as they walk around. It adds as a bit of an intruder alarm so they know who's in the building as well. You mentioned that idea of your light as an asset instead of being a fixed thing. And it also gives the flexibility that, you know, any improvements are made in the, in the future, you could take that light out because of the life cycle of it and put it somewhere else and it would still work. It's not, it's not reliant on the building itself. It's just a, a standalone asset that can be taken and put anywhere, really. You would encourage other people to do the same? Yeah, in a previous life as a contractor, I've always been very interested in um, trying to improve the intelligent controls for lighting because, you know, lighting is great and you can improve the well-being of uh, everyone who uses it. But um, moving forward, if we can, it's not just about improving the lighting, but it's improving the light levels based on whatever sunshine we're getting as well. We're making sure the switching is correct because we're all humans and we all leave the light switched on when we shouldn't do. And... You know, as everyone knows, global warming, we should be doing whatever we can. It sounds like you had a personal interest in this, but other people, other sort of facilities, managers, or you know, people in your position, where, where do they find out about this? I suppose, from our point of view, um, speaking with manufacturers is always a good opportunity. I do seem to find that if you sort of go along to like the facility shows, there's a energy saving shows, all them big sort of exhibitions. I know, obviously, the last 18 months have been difficult, but the big exhibitions are very good places to find out that you know there's a lot of not so much big companies because you know they seem to be very innovative and very good at marketing their ideas but you do sort of meet a small but clever individuals that are coming up with some clever ideas in terms of smart metering uh, intelligent controls exhibitions are very good places to try and or just listen to different ideas and some of the ideas might be five ten years away but you start to you know, get the ideas in your back of mind and it sort of sows a bit of a seed in what is possible and what could be done in the future. So yeah, I think they're very good places to learn. It's, uh, it's very easy to sit back and just go, that's the way we've always done it. And that's the yeah. way we'll do it. And unfortunately, if that's your mindset, it's, it's never really going to improve. But if you've got a curious mind to make things better, then yeah, there's lots of opportunities out there.